Hi everyone, welcome to HafaCast. My name is Rafael Morin and every episode here is an interview and we talk about design, development, work-life balance, expat life, mental health, history and other cool stuff. Welcome. First of all, super excited to have here. One of like super inspiration for me, Jessica is, well, welcome for the podcast, to the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Dude, I mean, I was like, first of all, I have been interested in your career for a long time. Uh, you do a lot of things, right? Like, uh, if I remember correctly, you have, and if, if I remember correctly, you are now working for iFood, right? No, I actually changed my job recently. Uh, I've been at OutZero for a month now. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you now? You can you can share? Yeah, I'm working at OutZero, but I'm living in Brazil, so I still live in Brazil. <laughs> yeah, but you plan to move out, out of Brazil or or something that you want to stay in Brazil? I don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, probably I'm going to move to Canada someday, but I don't know when. <laughs> yeah, I know some people from OutZero is, is, I mean, I knew two two guys and they're really good i forgot their names actually but seems to be a very nice company right yeah i'm kind of in love with it so yeah i'm a, bi a bit biased to say that uh, i love in here it's been an amazing experience so far and i think it's gonna be great in the next coming years yeah no i now i'm like only expect uh, just wishing you the, all the best but uh <laughs> like Thanks. if i remember correctly so now you have worked also for ifood and now you're in the Alpha Zero, but you also have been in the... In Brazil, you had like that Operação Serenata de Amor. Yes. And, uh, and if I met you in the Caipira, in the... I think it was Caipira, <laughs> right? Yeah, and, it was. In <laughs> uh, the time you were... I think you were doing research about something uh, uh, with cancer cells using <laughs> R. Like... What the hell? How, how you got those things and how you enter? Like you always program it. Like and <laughs> I mean, there's so many, so, so, so many subjects that I want to bring. But yeah, let's yeah, let's start you with this one. Okay, so the short version is I started programming in college. That's when I first learned about programming. And uh, in college, I thought I was going to be more of a management person in the college I was doing, which was biomedical informatics. And biomedical informatics mixes computer science skills with uh, health issues, basically. So I thought I was going to be in management, but then my, I don't know, my area of study shifted to actually doing bioinformatics, which is analyzing data from like diseases like cancer or stem cells and getting, I don't know, more interesting feedback from like gene expression and things like this. So yeah. after, yeah, in, I still in college, I did a bunch of research at, uh, as someone that does research in college for my graduation, but I changed it a little bit to like getting to know the Python community by the end of my college uh, time, let's say like this. And I got to know Python a little better and I got interested in being part of the community and I felt at home there. And things kind of progressed from there. So I like shifted my focus of study from like genomic data to NLP. And I did my like conclusion thesis on college 
in NLP, analyzing tweets data in Python, this time not in R. And after that, I got hired from the Serenata project to be a data scientist and developer and kind of became the spokesperson for the project during the time I was there because I did many talks and wrote about the project a lot. So I kind of got known by that project in the Python community. And afterwards, I moved to a different... Uh, company. I worked at Noveo, which is a startup in Brazil that did uh, automation processes, automation for clients. And after that, I went, I worked at TV Global, which is the major uh, TV company here. And then I went to iFood and then now I'm at OutZero. <laughs> so yeah, that's the short version of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let, let's just basically, basically on everything that you said, let's go step by step. First step, like, I suppose they're really smart because you change it, like, from <laughs> a completely different thing from, I mean, ML and, and just like, whoa, it's just always impresses me is, yeah, I don't think that is quite easy for you. It was easy to change or something or like how you decided that? Be- I mean, it's not a completely change because you are programming in the time but yeah. now you're you're okay like i'm gonna be a full programmer i suppose <laughs> and it, it is a changing right yeah it, it's funny because it seems that everything is disconnected when i talk about it but actually not that's not the truth right uh so what i learned while i was doing like all of this different stuff is that actually there is much things in common uh in different areas Let's say Serenata is focused on analyzing uh, so expenses data in open data, uh, open data that we have available from the government, right? But when you do a k-means to see if genes pull together in a cell, you still do a k-means to see if expenses pull together in like, expense data. So the tools that we use are the same, even though the data that we're analyzing and the objective is different, right? So kind of the things came together in a very, I don't know, very elegant way for me because I will, the one thing that helped me was that I was always studying. I don't consider myself to be like a, a genius person, but I'm very hard worker and I always study to be the best version of myself, right? So I want to improve a little bit every day. And it kind of, I don't know how it worked at the time, because right now everything seems to like work together. But at the time, people didn't understand me. Like, why, if you are a bioinformatician, why are you going to events like Java Day inside Brazil? Or why are you going to Python community meetups when they are going to talk about web development? And I was like... I don't know. I like being in the community. I like going to events and I like learning about new stuff. And one thing that I noticed is that learning out like new stuff, new concepts, new technologies actually help you do your job better. Right. So it kind of came together pretty well, I think. <laughs> yeah. No, I can. I mean, I can relate. My sister, uh, I mean, for me, it's, it's hard to relate personally because I I started to program when I was 14. So 
I mean, mm -hmm. I wanted to be a cardiologist, but uh, <laughs> but my mom was like, no, you won't, you are a programmer. In the time I thought that programming was not going to give me money. So I thought like, okay, I'm going to be poor for the rest of my life. Uh, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then like, uh, surprisingly programming actually could pay more than cardiologists later. But it's like, uh, for me it was, okay, I always wanted to be a, a programmer since I was a kid, but for my sister she started to do uh, mathematics uh, studies and uh, and now she's doing her master in programming so she's basically picking up like how everything that she learned about uh, mathematic uh, field and she's like putting into like uh, I don't know like data uh, and she's basically like doing things that she never expects. She's working with Python for real, like doing things in the cloud. And she never called anything in life before. But she's exactly like you said, she's really hard. She's a really hard work person, worker person. Like she, she can spend like the whole day, like really struggling and like fighting. And then the other day she just get better and better, better. And, uh, and everyone's like, oh my, oh my God, she's a genius, but she's, I mean, for me, she is, but uh, she's really, how can I say, she put effort in everything that she does. And I really like that. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I love programming right now because it gives me the ability like, to learn new things and meet new people. But programming is just a tool, right? You can do mathematics. People did mathematics before programming, right? Yeah. And, and people did analyze data before programming, right? So, but now we have this amazing tool that allows us to move past everything else that we already done. Like in bioinformatics, I was studying one thing that was called like microRNA. And people didn't know microRNAs existed until a while ago, but that was discovered because we added the power of programming into the analysis they did before, right? So programming is actually just a tool yeah. that is kind of like very helpful. And if you if you like to study and if you like to apply yourself to like problems that you're trying to solve, it's kind of enough of a fun way to actually solving things. Yeah, I do agree. Like, uh, and that is the excellent part about programming. Like, doesn't matter what you do. Like, you, I think that in most of the fields, you can actually like put programming to help you so i always have been discussing a discussion about like should we kids like learn programming because even if you don't want or want to you can literally fit programming and logic like in a lot of fields that could help people yeah and if you keep thinking about like how careers evolve uh many careers might evolve to do something with programming sometime right like I have a friend of mine that works for uh, like flight companies, right? They're like, mm -hmm. uh, and he actually writes macros on Excel to do what I consider programming because he's programming like logic into functions inside of a spreadsheet and to get information for the company that he works at. So I think that's kind of a, pro a programming way of looking at the problem that he's trying to solve or the questions that he is trying to answer. Right? Mm -hmm. So yeah, programming is amazing too. And considering like thinking about Python community, in, for instance, let's say a programming is a tool, but in the Python community, you also get like amazing friends from the Python community. Like you and me, we met 
like yeah. a while ago. And because you mentioned now that Caipira, I was like think, oh, it was so long ago. It's like I don't know, a lot of years ago. And I keep thinking, okay, so I not only have this amazing tool that I like to play with, I also have like found people that are interesting and that I like to talk to. And my best friends are from the Python community. So yeah. you can have everything, right? You can have the fun tool to play with, like with technology, and you can have friends that wants to have fun also like programming and doing stuff like this. So yeah, it's kind of pretty amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, uh, just came with an excellent subject, like the Python community for me. Uh, I mean, I have been different communities in Brazil, for sure, from JavaScript to uh, Elixir and other, uh, even Ruby, I, I attended some conferences. But uh, I never felt that, like, is it was the same energy as Python. Like, uh, like Python Brazil is just, like, is, I feel that it's more like, uh, at least the time that I used to go, I felt that was more like a family, you know, like everyone knows each other uh, and everyone's so respectful and they are always like uh, into like begin beginners, like uh, actually Python Brazil for like uh, for years was having like uh, beginners in the in the lineup for for the presentations right and uh and it was so inclusive because when you take in consideration other other conference they are always like okay this person from netflix this person from other place and sometimes i mean basically most of the times we lost the sense of what is the com community is about is about people not about the technology itself like uh and i really felt like uh I mean, Python is still my Python, uh, the community of Python Brazil is still my favorite community by far. I never felt like, I really like, uh, I mean, not only you, but uh, the Kaipira, I, I actually learned it and met like uh, a lot and met a lot of people also. And like, these people are very interesting for me. Like, it's just feels there is a long time ago, but the same way everyone had such a real one, like a... Uh, honest conversations in the in the event late like the post uh after the event right and then i was just like then like i, I really do appreciate the people that i met there yeah yeah i totally i totally see what we're talking about like uh, like there is a family sense to it everybody uh, take takes care of everybody right like i remember my first python brazil i actually twisted my ankle like in the first day of the event and people did like like a crowdfunding sort of to buy me crutches so that i could walk into the event and people helped me like move the wheelchair in the center that we will have in the event and things like this so yeah people are always trying to feel everybody well like everybody feel welcome in the event and feel included and part of like this big huge family that i like to think of yeah so yeah yeah it's very yeah it's a, it's a very good community like i spoke in different conferences in brazil but uh every time that i that i spoke in the python brazil and python events it was just like uh, i mean it's just you don't you feel like doesn't really matter like you're for a speaker or anything like people going to talk with you they and it's inclusive and stuff like that when i speak in other conference people are like oh my god should i talk with this guy like they're more afraid you know because the environment create that like uh it's not about act like a speaker or like a douche, I don't know. But it's more like sometimes if the environment is not inclusive, like it's really hard to have this 
opportunity to like reach the other person, you know, like you felt like, oh my God, I should not be talking with that guy. But Python events, Python conferences was just like really amazing. Like I could talk with any speaker, being a speaker, anyone could talk with me. I felt like the, the environment was so good, you know, so well taught and carried also. Yeah, it doesn't have a distinction between like the people that are watching the talk and the people that are presenting the talk. Like, uh, is basically uh, you feel like you are on the same level, even though like that person was talking for like a subject they want to learn. But you can, hey, I want to learn about this. Can you teach me a little bit? And it's like this this kind of uh, sort of a friendship started as I see it. Uh, and the idea is basically that you can talk to everybody and get to know everybody and many friendships come out of that i think yeah i do agree and uh i mean but jumping back for the conversation that we had with about the the project of the operação serenata de amor if i don't remember much like i mean i have a few i never really talked much about it but if i remember correctly it was like uh, you guys were using like uh, python for a uh, map uh, data and show this data for uh, people, right? Like trying to uh, co uh, fight against corruption in, in Brazil, right? Yeah, so Serenata's idea was actually to build on the skills of many bright people. So a bunch of, as people say, kids got together and during the weekends they were analyzing open data to find, let's call it, unlawful expenses on some of the data that we had uh, available, right? So Serenata uh, was, idea was to build an artificial intelligence that could pinpoint things that should be investigated and could aid uh, like politicians to expand money, like the government money, like the taxes that we pay in a better way, you know, like we are as a population keeping an eye on like the bill, you know? from the country. And because we had like this ability to analyze data and to program, which is I think that is not that common here in Brazil, I actually realized that, uh, especially because people don't start at an early age to know what programming is like you did. But for like, take me, I only found out what programming was when I was in college. Mm -hmm. And Serenata's idea was to build this AI so that we could find these unlawful expenses and help uh, the investigators find, uh, get back that, like, that money that was poorly expended back into the, like, coffers, you know? So that was uh, the idea behind Serenata. And the way to do it was, like, coding uh, an AI and using Python to do it and talking about it and building, like, this conscience on what was data science and how we can use technology to help uh, make people accountable for like the, the way they spend the public money, you know? So that was uh, Serenita's idea. Yeah, it's pretty dope also. Like, uh, yeah, I saw some, uh, some things that you guys shared, like, uh, I think years ago when I was really impressed because it's, it's, your guys are basically giving the power for the population about to know things like for example like you said my mom and my or it can take like generations uh like before after my mom but it's like they don't they really don't know like about much of tech in general like it's more about social network uh social media itself and like uh 
but they don't know how like technology could could help them like even to learn about uh stuff and you guys were basically like showing like okay this is this is wrong this this is happening for years and uh and no one is, is is even talking about it and i was i mean it's a really good job that you guys put on oh thank you uh yeah the team was great and yeah the the main idea was to build this awareness that the population could like say hey you are accountable for this thing that you did or say he uh, like the law that uh say how you can spend this kind of money uh says that you can't spend this on like alcoholic beverages let's say so you should be expensing an alcoholic alcoholic beverage when you are having like a dinner or so you can express the dinner but not the alcoholic alcoholic beverage so things like this is very important because as a population i feel that um like brazilians in general feel they can't do much other than voting right you know and when you have something like this like serenata as a project does that shows oh hey we as the people we can do more than just trying to vote right, you know. We can, like, make sure that the people in government are accountable for what they do that is wrong. And it's not only the, like, like the, the work from the people that investigate this. You can aid in some kind of... So I think that's pretty powerful. It's like giving power to the people. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely... I mean, I cannot say better than that. Like, I do think that you guys have done, like, a very amazing job. Like, and I mean... Congrats about it. Like, should be proud. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> But changing the subject just a little bit. You yeah. do also have a podcast, right? And uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> you do with, uh, I forgot her name, uh, Leticia, right? Yes, I do it. Well, you, yeah, I have a podcast about that called Pizza de Dados. And I do it with friends, basically. So me, Leticia and Gustavo, we founded a podcast to help people that don't speak English find a way like they can learn about data science in general uh, in Portuguese. So we found, because we are pretty privileged, we talk in English, we can read English and so forth to study and to learn new things is pretty easy. But we were always discussing subjects on data science among us, amongst ourselves. And we saw there was a gap in people that wanted to learn data science and that could learn data science. Because uh, in Brazil, actually, less than 10% of the population uh, speaks English fluently and they can learn in English, right? Yeah. So we are trying to kind of fill the gap to help people learn about data science the way that we could, but only in Portuguese. And also have like an excuse to interview people that we always admire on specific topics in data science. Like I'm doing right now. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I didn't know that was about data science. Like I'm going to share with my sister because she's actually into that and she's still learning English. So is I mean, it's a very good job that you guys are also doing. Like uh, she, she's, she, I mean, for her, it's a little bit hard because she's now like learning Python and learning English in the same time. So yeah. if she can like take something that is in Portuguese and like, uh, and know more about what, uh, that, because it's pretty confused. Like I remember when she, she started and she was like, so what I do like as a data scientist, like what is my job? Like what is, what I can do? And I was like, I mean, I can share some people that I know that work with that. And then like, you can make questions to them. But she was pretty lucky on that because I could like answer the questions because I knew people that could help her, you know? Uh, yeah, I know. 
but a lot of people they don't have they don't even have the connection like they want to learn more like they want to be into that and they just don't know like when i started programming as when i was a kid uh i was completely lost because like uh i started to call by accidentally i you know the blogger like uh the blogger tool that you yeah. can like use H HTML. Yeah. Uh, I started to do that because my father died and like uh, my mom wanted to close his blog painting. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I just gonna close. Then I saw this HTML area and it was like, what the hell, what is this? Mm -hmm. And then I, ju I just searched it, but I didn't know what programming does. Like I, I was programming without even know that could be a job. And mm -hmm. this is quite, this is quite, like uh you know it's a challenge because you don't know people that can like show you the path and i think that is really good like when you do in the portuguese because there's so many things in english then like uh it's just it's just unreal the quantity of like things that you can find in english but you cannot like bring in portuguese i'm saying this but most of the the podcast this is this season will be english so don't be disappointed <laughs> with me brazil <laughs> yeah yeah i totally understand that like uh, actually, Pizza Dados became a thing because Leticia started a project uh, that the community helped build, which was a dictionary. So basically, everybody did a PR to this repo on GitHub uh, to add information about data science terms in Portuguese. We sources, most of the sources were actually in English, but the idea was to show how have this community built uh, repo that people could like look up what is like a regression, what is a k-means, what is I don't know some kind of modeling tool or things like this. And it was funny because it was so like fast adopted, like people adopted it really fast and helped build it uh, because that was something that was needed, right, uh, to learn about. Um, import, uh, something in Portuguese. So if you think about like me, I started at Out Zero and I'm still learning about security, identity, identity and authentication. Uh, and the, in my job here at Zero is actually being a developer advocate for the company. And amongst a lot of things that I'm learning about all of these things, I still had to come up with content because I'm going to produce content as my day job. Mm -hmm. And my boss was like, okay, I want to get you, like help you get the feeling that you accomplished something. And so let's think about like your first video going to be something that is not authentication related because then you have the processing of making a video. That's something that I don't normally used to do. Uh, the process of recording the video, editing it, um, make it like compelling for the people. And aside from learning all this stuff of video making, you still have to learn on the authentication. So let's forget about authentication, identity and stuff for a while. And let's focus on something that you know, so that you can go through the process of learning something new instead of learning two new things, you know? So that makes it easier. And when I think of Pizza de Dados, is like this amazing tool to help people understand that data science is actually a bunch of stuff bundled up together, right? Data science yeah. is not just one thing. It can be like forecasting. It can be demand prediction. It can be 
fraud detection. And people, when they first encounter the term data science, say, oh, now I know what I'm going to do. And actually, the answer is it depends. It depends on the team that you are going to work with. It depends on the company that we're going to work with. And so the data science can be many things and can wear many hats, right? You know, so uh, when we started Pizza, we wanted to interview people that knew more about some things than we did on some specific areas of data science. Like we interviewed people from NLP, we interviewed people from recommendation and things like this. So that helped build awareness that there is much to be learned for people that don't even know how to ask the question. Like, you know, so little that you don't know how to Google what you need to learn, right? You know, when you are starting to learn something in yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to question somebody. Like, I need help to do something, but I don't even know how to phrase my question. And, and, and yeah. hopefully pizza has done that for many people. Like, oh, that is like interpreting data from text and that is interpreting data from bioinformatics and that is there's all many other stuff that can be done inside data science. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like, uh, for example, my sister, she started to do like uh, uh, this this thing with the file, like file manipulation, right? They should use like file system. And she didn't even know, like, what is that? Like, she was like, okay, how I save that? Like, how? Because she's doing the master and the guy was like, okay, can you save this into a file? And then... As a person that is very newbie about Python, right? Like, uh, you don't know much. Like, she knows a lot about mathematics, but uh, how you can, like, uh, pull off, like, uh, pull up, like, uh, a knowledge that you don't have about programming and, like, do the right question for Google. Like, she was searching, like, different stuff and, like, was getting, like, completely different results. Like, she was searching something and the guy was like, yeah, you can save into the cloud. And I was like, no, <laughs> this is not your search. Like your search is super simple. <laughs> you should be looking like file system. And she was like, what is that? And then, yeah, uh, yeah it's just, it's, it's way simple. But like, if you don't know how to search or if you don't know the terms or anything like that, it's really hard to get into. Yeah. And like Google can be a powerful thing or a scary thing, or maybe a little bit of both at times. Like if you know what you are looking for, it's really easy to use the right words to find the answer that you need. But what you do when you don't know and you don't have anybody yeah. who can ask about it. So you, you kind of feel lost. And I can like relate to that because the way that I fix my feeling loss is actually studying like a lot of shit. And the things I do is basically like studying, studying, studying until I understand enough so I can ask the questions in a way that Google or somebody can answer them, you know? So that's, that's just like very interesting to see like when somebody is starting a new on a topic and they know all of this bunch of stuff about some subject, like your sister with mathematics, she knows a lot about probably doing equations and stuff, but she probably doesn't know there are tools that could help her uh, do that easily, like NumPy and things like this. And yeah. she, and I believe she's very like help, like very privileged that she has you that can help her guide her in a way that she can like find the answers. But most of the population don't have that. Don't have like this support, uh, like these people to support doing the learning process. And with the podcast, we can actually like reach a lot of people that don't even know something exists that can help them. You know? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I completely understand. I do. I, I mean, we. I do. 
we reached that like she actually she says that like about the privilege itself because her people with like uh, her friends in the in the university they don't have any anyone that is programmer in the family or stuff so every time that is bad literally i stopped to do everything that i'm doing to help her like i literally wrote like scripts for her using the in the masters but uh but this is a privilege because like she have a brother that can help her with programming uh but other people in their class they they're just lost you know they can do much yeah totally get it yeah but i mean it is it's good that i i actually love that she's into programming it feels so interesting you know like the conversations that we have sometimes because when you have a, a person that never was in programming and like this person now is like uh into that like feels more close to your word, you know, like, I don't know how you feel about talk programming to people that never called. Yeah, it's, it's hard because I come from a family that didn't know that programming was a thing. My my father is an economist. My mom was a nurse. And I always, I used to say, <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that you wanted to be a cardiologist because when I was little, I said I, was, I wanted to be a doctor. And then when got time that I wanted like to do like the exams to get into college, I said, mm, medicine is not for me. I think I need to find something else. And then I found biomedical informatics that is kind of in the medicine field, but doesn't have to handle people. It only handles like the computer side of things. Yeah. And, and it was really interesting because for a long time, everything that I did didn't make sense for my family because they didn't understand what I was doing. Not that they do now, but they get a sense that is important and that is like this rich environment that I can learn and that I can like might have career progression. And now that I'm in the Python community and I have like all this programming community, like the Go, women who go and things like this, I have like this collection of people that I can talk about the things that I do and that I'm passionate about and understand. Because one thing is like explain to your mom what you do, right? So I'm mom, you know, like when you have a spreadsheet and you have to like apply some kind of, of formula to get like a sum of something. Because my mom understands spreadsheets. Yeah. You know, my, my dad understands spreadsheets. He even did a little bit of coding, but he didn't understand what it was to be like a data science when I was a data science or what it was that I did when I was a developer. You know, so you kind of try to make them understand, but they never truly grasp, grasp what it is that you do. You know, my sister, she's in hospitality field, so she kind of understands what I do. And she messed around a little bit with HTML and CSS, so she knows a little bit about it, but she doesn't like programming. So when you talk about programming with someone that understands what you do and is passionate about it, it's a different feeling, you know? Yeah. It's not... I wouldn't say that it's boring to talk to people that don't code about coding because it's never boring to talk about coding, even if you have to find like very different ways to explain what you do. But it's different when somebody really understands. It's like me talking Portuguese to somebody that talks Portuguese. The communication is different than me talking English with somebody that speaks English only. You know, it's yeah. the different types of communications that you have to have to have like this conversation and be a pleasant one, you know, for everybody. Yeah. I mean, also, no, is you, I mean, it was a perfect example, like Portuguese. Sometimes just by the pronunciation, I can understand why, what is the mood of the, the person. And yeah. the English for me is just like, uh, we talk and I just like, okay, I mean, I'm doing it saying, and I can, and they can understand what I am saying, surprisingly, <laughs> but, uh, 
flow was talking. Every time I was like, dude, I'm not going to cook. Like, I'm super lazy to do that. And I was doing iFood like, uh, I don't know, three or four times per night. Yeah. Uh, and so good. That's just like, it's done. You are working there with like data, I suppose, right? Yes. I was a data science working at iFood and I worked with recommendations there. So my idea was to recommend dishes or restaurants for people based on their preferred uh, orders, let's say like this. So whenever somebody orders something, we would take that into account when like suggesting something to that person again. Yeah, that is, I mean, you have done an amazing job, if you allow me to say. <laughs> Yeah, the team there of recommendations is great. Yeah, I do miss iFood uh, in Sweden. To be honest, like sometimes, I swear to you, this is not even a joke. Like sometimes I just type iFood in the <laughs> in the night. I just like, okay, I'm gonna get some, uh, I don't know, like get some food. And I just like, iFood, oh, okay. And in the beginning, iFood, like UI really sucked like uh, years, years, years ago. Yeah. And then they start to step up really fast. Like the iFood went from like, okay, like, uh, I don't know, uh, a very regular app or something that is now like studying users and like have a really mm -hmm. good design. Yeah. 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 So iFood at the beginning was almost like an MVP, like the minimal possible way to get somebody to buy yeah. food instead of like calling the restaurant. And now is this amazing experience, right? So because it evolved really fast and things that I feel like move in a speed of like, it's very fast, everything there. Plans change really fast and people adapt to it really fast. So it's kind of interesting to see like how it grew and how it evolved in so little time. Yeah, it's very interesting. And because it's, it's funny, when we say iFood, I don't know if everybody listening knows what iFood is, but it's kind of like Uber Eats stuck, but only is uh, much more known here in Latin America, right? And much more used like in Brazil than Uber Eats is. So that's that's one very interesting thing to to note. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like, uh, completely forgot to say because for me it's so popular in Brazil <laughs> that I don't even like. Okay, I just. But uh, it's completely equal for Uber Eats. In fact, I do prefer iFood than Uber Eats, but it's another subject. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit biased, so I can't speak much about it. <laughs> yeah, in, in Nouveau, like working in the it. If I remember correctly, it is the it was or it, it is I don't know like the Avellino company. Yeah, he's still a partner I think, but he's not working with. Actually, he left before I did. So yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember then we it, we talked like a long time ago, and he was like, "Okay, yeah. I'm gonna do a new company, and I want to work with Go." And I was like, "Do it, brother!" Like <laughs> I completely supported him. I mean, he was going to do anyway. Like I just kind of like gave a thumbs up in there. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it, I mean, I love, I really like that guy. He, every time that he have idea, he just go, just go into that. Yeah. Yeah. He builds what he like is dreaming about. Uh, is that, that, that is, that is really impressive about him. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the global, you work at, I, uh, with, I, I remember, I think like I, I read one tweet that you posted a long time ago, but if I remember correct, correctly, you were like studying insights to create like uh, insights and like uh, make information 
in like internal tools? Yeah, yeah. So at Nouveau, I was a developer. I didn't was I wasn't a data scientist there. Even though that you don't actually stop being a data scientist because you're not working with it. Uh, but I was a developer at Nouveau, and that gave me many like training let's say like there's like many knowledge into software engineering. But I always did a bunch of stuff when I was working. Uh, so whenever I went to global, I actually was considered a hybrid person because I was a data scientist, but I also could act as a data engineer. So at the beginning, I started working with Big Brother Brazil data to generate insights on Big Brother Brazil. Then I worked a little bit with NLP, trying to analyze the some of the blog posts that we had in the portals from TV Global. And I ended up most of my time there working as a data engineer in an internal tool to give insights for the marketing and commercial teams. So the idea was to help them like sell better packages to the clients on like marketing and giving like ads to to be like sold you know so yeah at tv global i was a data scientist <laughs> yeah no i mean i can uh sounds like a, a very interesting thing like uh, to actually like you know like i don't know how you have the insights that you're going to the through like okay and doing per, i'm performing well because you're actually studying the user right yeah that's actually a hard question and everybody like asks this question that's a science like if you take recommendation for instance how do you know that your recommendation was good or not and when you consider like complex systems like an app things that can influ influence the type of result you get from the user is actually like if the UI changed or not. If the recommendation was good, it's not only the thing that you have to measure, you know. So to learn whether or not you're right, you have to do a bunch of tests. And that's how like A-B tests come into place. And from somebody from statistics, you may call it like hypothesis testing. And you try to figure out with a bunch of statistics method how to measure if like, I don't know, if I my others requests like increase, that was because of the change that I did or some other change and things like this. And you try to make experiments. So you separate part of like the users that you have into a pool of users that's going to, I don't know, receive some type of like recommendation or some type of information. And the other pool of users is your control. And that doesn't change. And to see if both of those uh, having a change and not having a change did impact in some kind of way. And you try to measure this. And there is like a bunch of study on how to do this, on how this works. And you try to figure out before you actually put things in production, doing analysis and more analysis and more analysis until you finally get a result that is indicative that things might work. And then you deploy to production and see if it actually works because sometimes your data doesn't actually represent the reality. It's very complex thing if you come to think about it right now. Yeah, no, I mean, we had, yeah, a, <laughs> we had a, a team for that in the in the global play uh, yeah. when I was working there and like uh, the metrics, like how the things that we want, we wanted to like reduce I think we work it for churn, like to remove yeah. like uh, users to leave, right? And uh, uh, to make like a retention. And 
like we had different metrics and stuff like that but the thing it was just like for me i was just amazed like oh my god how we know they're going towards like the right thing because i mean we do have like some ideas but and uh the guys that worked with that data they actually have the really good insights like okay so if it's not performing here maybe it's performing there and uh it's super good to work towards to data you know like the data is actually leading you to make the decisions yeah and even if you like talk about what i do now as a developer at zero actually data drives us too you know because we keep thinking about like i don't know signups to the website based on the content that we wrote or that the videos that we record uh and release and like how many talks we can give in a year and things like this so metrics actually move a lot of like uh cogs in the machine that is a company you know it's not only like the data science that have metrics as a developer you also have metrics like you have the kpis and you have like the tasks that you have to complete inside the sprint you know so if you come to think about it actually data is everywhere you know not only like the data people <laughs> what i like to call the data people you know yeah no, I mean, exactly. And how how have you worked like in a place that is not oriented to data? Oh, yeah. There is so many things about data. People can be like data informed. They they get the insight and they understand the insight, but they don't act on it. And they can be data driven, which is like, oh, I'm only going to move the needle or my ideas or my KPIs based on information we get from the data, you know? So yeah, of course I did work on places that didn't take data into account, even though data was everywhere around. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a little bit uh, weird for me now because like even Spotify, GoDaddy and like, uh, and global, they, they were like really into data. I mean, not, maybe not some things that are working, but uh, the things that I stayed more time was yeah. really focused on data. But like, I remember a few things that I worked on and uh, they, they were like, okay, let's do this button, but nobody really tested like if that button could like be better than the other button. And yeah. it was basically because the my project manager really liked the second button. And I was like, cool. Like as a programmer, I was just like, cool. Even though that I, I came with like, guys, we should test that. I was just <laughs> like too lazy, I think, to like, uh, okay, like if your team is not doing like data driven, why... I thought that the, the fight was too complicated to like bring into the team, but it's in the same way you're not like doing things for the user, you're just doing things because you think it's cool. Yeah, yeah, you have uh, you have to have some sense into what we're doing, right? A uh, long time ago, people used to do research like, oh, look at this screen, see what you come of it. So the goal is to do a sign up. What is like the user flow to get to the sign up button on what does the user does on your website? And based on that information, they would like decide whether or not place a button in some place, right? The only thing that changed about this, you have like a huge scale depending on like what your company works with and what your company does, you know? So you have to take data into account because you can't measure like using on user by user basis because you have like a billion users in the database and you can you have to find a balance between everybody so that everybody like orders more, you know? 
things like this. Yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I do understand. But yeah, yeah. I think that actually this is a wrap up. And I'm so happy that we had this conversation, actually. Oh, me too. I'm so happy to get the invite. It was actually very really fun to you today. Yeah, I was, I mean, I I wanted to interview you for the fourth season, but uh, I was super... <laughs> I was super like, okay, maybe I need to wrap up the first season even earlier than I thought. But I was like, okay, he's definitely one person that I want to interview. And I was like, I'm gonna try my best to do like the second season with you. So I really appreciate that we had the time to talk. Yeah, me too. So thanks for inviting me. Yeah. And I mean, you're always invited. If I do other seasons, you're always invited. <laughs> oh, please do. I love to talk. It's always fun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you.